Welcome to Forging Employee Experience. I am Josh Green, joined here with my co-host, Alexander Norin. Hey, everybody. And we are very excited to have Henry Albrecht on the show today. Henry, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling amazing. Thanks for having me, Josh and Alex. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. We're excited to have you. Listeners, let me just tell you a little bit about Henry. He is the founder of Limeade, an employee engagement platform that builds great places to work by improving well-being and strengthening workplace culture. He has led the company from an idea in his basement to a high-growth, industry-leading employee engagement technology company that serves some of the smartest companies in the world. Henry, what else do we need to know about you? Uh, let's see. I've got three wonderful kids. Dealing with teenagers is always a blast. Been married 22 years, a uh, very cute dog, and I'd like to golf, yoga, play tennis, and otherwise keep myself physically active because if I don't, I think too much about work. <laughs> That's either a good or a bad thing, I think, right? It's usually yeah, good. balance. I care. And, and actually, sometimes your best ideas come after uh, not thinking about work for a while. So. You got to decompress every once in a while. That's Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, the 18th hole, you know, that's, that's where all the great ideas happen. <laughs> or, bro or broken club heads, either way. <laughs> either way. Really, it could go either way. Right. Great. Well, and obviously you have an emphasis on well-being because your company, Limeade, is, is just, it starts with employee engagement and it also bleeds into well-being in the workplace. So talk to us a little bit about what this journey has been like for you founding Limeade. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of the things that not everyone knows about the company is uh, we're known really well, both as an engagement company and as a well-being company, but our origin was at this really interest, interesting intersection of the two, which I call burnout. And I'm sure some of your <laughs> listeners have been through a journey like I was, uh, like I went through, where my life at work was consuming all of my life and it was also not always positively consuming my life and i found myself in a job that was stretching me was making me not so nice to my family maybe just distant and what i learned in the intervening decade or so is that i was sitting right in the middle of low well-being and high engagement i actually loved my job for a while until I was sapped to the point of not loving it anymore because mm -hmm. I wasn't taking care of my well-being. So mm -hmm. long story short is burnout is this really interesting intersection of the two. And uh, we found that sometimes keeping titles like employee engagement, but not thinking about the whole person behind that engagement is usually a little short-sighted. Right. Yeah. We've seen organizations as they try to attack employee engagement, miss the mark. Right, because their their focus isn't uh, on the holistic picture of creating something that's for a person, right? Not just a, a measurement for uh, a behavior and whatnot. Yeah, well, I hope we dig into that because I think we do so many things right in thinking about employee engagement, but there's definitely some pitfalls for the uh, practitioner who is not observant about human nature. Yeah. So, so before we dig into that, what, uh, if, if you, you know, were, were asked what, what, uh, what does employee engagement mean? If you had to write a def dictionary definition, uh, what would you say? It's a deep sense of connection and purpose that leads to extra energy and commitment at work. So I think a lot of organizations think of it, oh, it's that discretionary effort mm. that you get, or it's when people like their jobs. And to me, that's a very limiting definition. To me, it's that deep 
sense of connection and purpose. And then all of the other things, the discretionary effort, et cetera, those are the outcomes when you have that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a perfect definition to get us started. So if, if, to give you credit, that's one of the most succinct definitions we've heard on the show. So kudos <laughs> to you. Uh, that was well, well done. I was very, very impressed. Well done. Well, well obviously you've thought a lot about this because you are, have, have built a company around employee <laughs> engagement. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, Again, we started, I started the company because I was in a job where I was the VP of product at this really cool company that was growing really fast, but I guess I lost that deep sense of purpose and extra energy and commitment that you should have. And a lot of it in retrospect has to do with things like values disconnect, not feeling cared for, not feeling supported as a person. And it's almost like taboo to bring that up in public. Mm. Hey, I'm struggling at work. Even though I've been this high achiever my whole life, I have this MBA, blah, blah, blah. I'm actually struggling in my life and I don't feel connected. So this, the company started, uh, I guess, 12 or 13 years ago. And the first four or five years were fun because we were totally broke talking about topics like mindfulness and resilience and meaning and purpose and drive and loving your job that frankly, got us laughed out of a lot of rooms. Uh, a lot of HR departments said, that's cool, but how can you help me save costs? Um, only in the last, I would say, five or six years have, have large employers who are very thoughtful about their cultures said, you know, all those weird psychological terms you were throwing around a while ago, we're actually realizing those are the things that are upstream of employee engagement. They're actually parts of well-being, which is our lens through which we view the world, that if you don't have them, you can't be engaged at work. Right. And so, you know, the, I guess the, the short history of the company is um, we've got, got, I guess, over 250 people now. We have offices in Germany and Canada and Colorado and our headquarters here in Seattle. And we're, we're just having a blast trying to break down the silos that exist in HR and trying to treat people like whole people at work. And the genius of your product is that you are bringing analytics to a space that was hard to measure. You know, human resources can tend to be viewed as the fluffy department mm -hmm. that we're just trying to take care of our people and make sure everybody's happy. But now with tools like Limeade, we can measure happiness in a way, even though it's a hypothetical construct, we can get into the nuts and bolts of, are your people happy at work? Let's ask them questions that deal with their happiness and then we can even uh, give you a nice report as a manager to sh share where you can improve on some of these men measures that you've mentioned yeah josh i think that's a good point and i would say that's even that's not far enough if if i can be so bold as to uh contradict the interviewer but i would say having data is super important and in fact you're right most of the most of the data we're talking about is very subjective you know, how do I feel? Do I feel stressed out? Do I love my job or just like it or just here for the paycheck? A lot of the concepts actually you can't, there's no amount of, you know, insights you're going to get from your backend HR systems on whether someone's feeling a certain way. So we do think it's important to ask those questions, ask them frequently, ask them over time and give the company rich sets of insights. And I think there's a lot of, you know, you've probably interviewed others and there's tons of cool companies who have built their whole reason for being around the ingestion of these analytics and we love analytics but to us that's about half of the equation and the other half is doing something with it mm. not just putting all the onus on the hr leaders or the c-suite of a company 
but having managers have real action plans. And the most important, I think of all, is the employee, him or herself, giving, giving her something to do, giving her tangible steps that might make her more engaged or feel more included or have higher well being. And that's where I think the industry has gone wrong. We've fallen in love with the data, but we've failed to act a little bit. So we really focus on the action part as well. And, and that's, that's such a critical point because I think as, uh, like you mentioned, you know, we, without acting, without action, all the data that we collect all of a sudden becomes less reliable, right? Because if employees are seeing that, oh, look at all this data collection, data collection, that's great. Uh, but without any action behind it, I, I think employees are less likely to, uh, to be as responsive, to be as honest, as sincere, um, and as hopeful for, for change in their response to, to the, to the survey software. And so I think, I think there's definitely an undermining factor that, that can happen if, you know, like you said, you're only taking a look at, at half, the, half the picture. Right? I do think that's where a lot of organizations are falling short these days. Yeah, actually, the part, one of the original dimensions we assessed 13 years ago, 12 years ago, was this thing called square deal. Basically, I put into the organization generally about as much as I get out of the organization. And that's not just in compensation. That's kind of in always. And what that kind of hinted at that we've done a lot more research on now is this concept of bi-directional trust. You're trusting an employee to go above and beyond and do a whole bunch of extra things for you because frankly, you have to have their innovation, their ideas to succeed in business. And what are you giving back to them? How are you showing that you care for them? And certainly surveying them is part of it, but only if you do something with the data and not just at the leadership level, only if the employee feels like, my team, my manager, my peers, my social groups, the whole culture here is taking action on this problem together. And when that happens, great things happen for companies. But, um, but the word trust is often viewed as one of those things like well-being, like, oh, it's too hard to measure and you know it when you see it. It's actually super easy to measure all of these subjective things. You just have to do it in a light, fun, easy way. Mm. Well, Henry, tell me a little bit about what Limeade is doing to uh, put action behind these numbers, because there, there are engagement softwares out there that will drop these wonderful numbers in your lap, per se, but there's no follow-up, or the, the furthest it seems they go is that just like some generic um, solutions. This. This is what yeah, say. the consultants yeah. say that maybe this will work for you, and instead of actually getting in there and like helping them take the numbers further. So how are you overcoming some of those obstacles? Yeah, well, a couple of things. First of all, we've, we studied this problem of what, okay, so if trust is important and you have to show that you care for your people, how do you do that? And what we did is we actually analyzed the, the annals of psychological literature showing how do people feel cared for? What does an organization need to do to make someone feel cared for? And we found a whole bunch of different factors that go into it from physical environment to the tools and resources you provide them, uh, et cetera. But we found the three most important were how do the leaders show up to the organization? Most people think that's first, that's the bronze medalist, that's third. The second is what resources and tools like Limeade we hope, but I'm sure there's many others, do you put in front of them that literally manifest this showing of care every single day? And then the most important of all, drum roll, is manager. And, <laughs> thank you. And, and, and it's not just managers, it's managers and the whole team that you work with. It's the unit of productivity is you and your team. Think about it, if you're a coffee shop, it's 
the manager of the store and how the team works with the manager. If you're a you know, hospital, it's the nurses on the, on the floor and how that head of nurses on that floor works with the team. So for that group, we create targeted activities and personalized improvement plans. And those could be as simple as for inclusion, for example, you know, hanging a balloon on the new person's desk so everyone walks by and introduces themselves. Or having every new manager take the whole team to lunch when there's one new employee on the team. So it sounds like simple things, but that's how habits are formed. And all our experience in the well-being space is that the best habits are formed with repeated daily, weekly, monthly repetition of small, tiny actions that are a little bit different than the way you've done it before. So I think taking our expertise in well-being and applying these micro habits and these, these improvement plans and even fun gamification stuff like points and rewards and badges and levels and peer support and all of those things, if you accumulate them over time but apply them to problems like employee inclusion, employee engagement, and well-being, it's the same science applied to basically to different budget areas and, and treating people you know, as if they are all have the potential to improve. Mm, I love that. And it, it sounds like the crux of all of this work that you're doing is just to get down to the point where we want the employees to know that we care about them and we are working to create an environment where they feel safe and, and can do their work. Absolutely. In fact, the word care is probably the single most important word that we talk about here at Limeade. Um, we did some research that shows First of all, the impact of well-being on employee engagement. And it's pretty simple stuff. Basically, if, you're, if you have higher well-being, you're more engaged, you're, you're more likely to recommend your company as a great place to work, et cetera. But we wanted to dig into the perception of well-being. And in fact, the perception of care. Mm. And so we did some other research with uh, a company called Quantum Workplace that does this type of research um, that showed when people feel that their employer cares for them, they're about 38% more engaged at work. And so that's why we've just been studying that. How do you feel cared for? And frankly, no tech, no technology, can you just plug in and make people feel cared for? Right. It's in that human interaction, looking someone in the eye, actually asking them how their weekend was, asking them how we can work around their schedule, not vice versa. And that's a fundamental shift, not just in HR technology, but frankly, in capitalism. So we're excited about it. And it's super fun. And the science supports us. It's a very scientific approach. And what I love about what you just said is it, it, it resonates with me because I think a lot of the times the organizations uh, do, you know, don't do themselves any favors by trying to find a fix, uh, a quick fix right for, for their for their issues you know they may be may be easy to identify that hey here, here we have an issue um but really and truly to help foster an environment where uh someone knows that you care about them you know it's like any other meaningful relationship that you're in right it takes time it takes it takes you setting aside from your busy day because we're all busy right there's no manager on this planet that's not busy uh or or, or could not make the excuse that they're too busy to put put forth this effort but really it's uh showing that you care uh, it it takes a lot of it takes a lot of getting out of maybe your comfort zone even and uh trying to help make people around you feel valued you know uh it's, yeah. it's a great point and, and you're right and the data is super critical to this but the data isn't the driver of this so of course right. you have to show oh i see when people feel more cared for and have higher well-being and have higher engagement, they deliver better business results. Our dashboards are all built around proving that value because every right. C-suite 
frankly, has a CFO and every C-suite has a board of directors that want to see, you know, those returns. So we have to prove that with our dashboards. Right. But you know what's interesting? Who else gets this? Here's who gets this viscerally. Not just you two, although, of course, you're brilliant. <laughs> I don't want to brag. Who gets this is anybody who's ever had a great manager. Anybody who's ever had a terrible manager, mm-hmm. anybody who's ever worked in a company with a great culture, anybody who's ever worked in a company with a toxic killer culture, and right. any executive who's been around the block for 20 years. So the good news is CEOs get this viscerally. They've hired and fired 100 people. They've seen it when it's gone well and when it's gone poor, at least if they have the right experience. And so they get it emotionally. We just have to make it a little bit more than emotional. We have to make it you know, very practical, simple, bite-sized, and, and doable. Yeah, and that bite-sized piece is particularly fascinating to me because sometimes you work for a major corporation that just doesn't have the time or place to care about you as an individual. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and now at least with tools like yours, you are making it possible where um, we can do certain initiatives around uh, what people are feeling. If someone on, on their survey or on their data says so- that they're not communicating well with their manager or they feel like they need more support or whatever it is they're, they're talking about, at least now you can point to that uh, place of pain and provide a Band-Aid for it. Uh, or better than a Band-Aid. Someone once said, well, Okay, at the end of the day, this is just employee engagement software. This isn't a life or death situation. And because we've studied this connection with you know, well-being and even health and, and employee engagement, to me, I don't think about it that way at all. I think about it as, you know, I've seen people like my co-founder of, my, of this company suffer from chronic disease due to tough work environments. Right. It happens all the time. I was talking to the phone uh, on the phone this morning with a friend who said, I'm so glad you did that work on burnout. I shared it with my girlfriend who is a ambulance driver and she's suffering from physical ailments that are keeping her off the job for the next two months. It has nothing to do with her age or any other risk factor. So I actually think it is a bigger deal than people think. And I do think it's life and death for some people. If you, if you believe in things like diabetes and heart disease having any sort of behavioral um, influence. Mm. So, so, so save us, Henry, how do we do it? You know, for those, for those of us that are, are looking to, uh, to, to make, make progress and, and, and make change. Uh, so before I, I, I will have a very clear prescription, but, but the first thing I want to say is actually respond to something you said, which is, okay, so a lot of companies just don't have the time or effort to, care, you know, to show that they care. Frankly, they're focused on other stuff. They have to get that merger and acquisition done or they have to right. launch that new product. If that's how they really think, it's really not a good customer for Limeade, honestly. Mm-hmm. We try to give people the benefit of the doubt and, and share the, the real data behind it, but if they fundamentally aren't in business to change the world for the better, um, we'd love to have them go talk to some of our competitors. They're just not for us. But we also have pretty positive, optimistic views about human nature, um, basically because we know altruism is a huge part of most people. And so we think it's actually just a matter of they haven't seen the science enough. So anyway, here's my, here's my prescription. First of all is know that silos don't work in solving this problem. 
you can't have a benefits department, a talent leader, a learning leader, a security, training, compliance, communications, benefits, comp. You can't have them all working at cross purposes or even worse, fighting with each other over the mindshare of the employee. You need to have this be highly coordinated and, and technology helps do that for sure. Um, that way topics like inclusion doesn't just belong in that kind of corner office of the head of diversity and inclusion who doesn't often have a budget. It actually, that can be part and parcel of the conversation about building a great engaged workforce. Mm -hmm. So the first one is silos don't work. Uh, the second one is you have to take a whole person approach. You have to support people in their physical, emotional, financial, work lives, how they connect with each other at work. So be holistic. And lastly, third, you have to have action. You can't just measure this stuff. That actually erodes trust. You have to help people take action. And that action should be in the real world as much as it is on a computer screen. So that's what I got for you today, boys. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Life-changing life-changing yes that is that is great henry what about the bottom line though i'm just gonna play devil's advocate here because like i'm fully on board with what you're talking about but there are companies out there that aren't and obviously you need to head in this direction or else you're going to be left behind but how, how would you talk to uh someone who is only kind of in they're, they're encouraged by the performance data, the results, the money. How would you say LimeAid helps them with that? Well, first of all, participants in our programs quit at half the rate of non-participants, even in the same companies. Mm -hmm. So there's something going on there, whether you call it causality or correlation or whatever, it, there's something going on there about people feeling cared for and staying longer. So anybody who has a budget about attracting and retaining talent or we can't lose our star performers, they need to look there. And what I didn't say about burnout at the start of the call is burnout actually only affects the people who are your best employees. It only affects the people who are all in and on fire to begin with. Yeah, slackers aren't really getting yeah, burned exactly. out. Yeah, exactly, you don't burn out. If you're <laughs> right? In fact, one of our customers said to us, uh, burnout is a luxury. Burnout is a luxury that you get if you have a workforce that cares. We don't always have that here. Mm. So anyway, I would say turnover is the easiest and best, uh, best measure of this. There are, of course, others. Um, we like to correlate employee engagement with sales, with patient health, with customer satisfaction. Any of the metrics that actually do get the attention of the C-suite is, is our ROI story. And, and what about, what if you're unable or maybe you said this way, what if you're a manager, okay, and you're, and you're, you're in an organization that, uh, you know, that there just isn't, there isn't a higher up buy-in buy on this, uh, this idea of, of employee engagement's efficacy to help produce better results. Uh, what, what would you recommend to that, to that manager of, you know, 20 to 30 people who wants to create an atmosphere uh, where, where people care and, and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, maybe couldn't, uh, you know, probably couldn't bring in a software solution for their team uh, because their budget may not allow or, you know, just this kind of feels like they're on their own. Well, I, I was going to be glib and say, <laughs> you know, everyone deserves a caring company, honestly. True. Yeah. If you're just managing your career and you're just biding your time to move on, but there are tons of amazing companies where the leaders absolutely care I'd much rather work in an environment 
where there's care all around me, but there are real problems to solve that are unrelated to that care. Like, I don't know, right. building right. new drugs to solve diseases or yeah, automating processes that need to be reautomated. But in the, in the context of trust and engagement and teamwork, so to me, I would say like you should strongly consider how much longer you want to stay at an organization that doesn't care or you need to get yourself up in the C-suite and be a change maker from within. That sure. would be my first advice is yeah. do that. And unless you just want to mail it in and say, well, I'm part of this organization, but really I just work for this local branch and I'm just going to take care of my team. At the end of the day, I don't personally like managers like that on my team. Sure. If you're optimizing for your branch, your department, and not thinking about the brand, the emotional promise you're making to your customers every day, honestly, you're not a great fit. Mm -hmm. Henry, I love your approach here where it's very, it's, it's very direct and it's almost confrontational, like you said, because it's something that matters very, very much. And in a place where in, in a world where we feel like the workplace is almost broken in the way that we treat our employees, I love to see that there are advocates out there like you who are standing up and saying, this needs to stop. We need to care about our people and we are making efforts to do that. So maybe tell us a little bit about your, your passion there. Like, why is this something that you care so deeply about? Well, first of all, it's personal. I mean, I know exactly what it's like to burn out. I know what it's like to get a rash on my face. I know what it's like <laughs> to argue with my wife and just not be present for my kids. So to me, when I see people going through the same thing I went through, to me, I just have to help them. I want to help them. And it's maybe not because I'm you know, God's gift or the world's most altruistic person. My wife would tell you, that's not the case. <laughs> I just don't like to see people make the same exact dumb mistakes I made. And so to me, I, I'm, I like to think about how to help solve that problem. And frankly, we've had people burn out here at LimeAid before where we put them on really challenging, tough customers and the customers are jerks and they yell at them and, or, or maybe our software lets them down. So to me, it's part and parcel of having a little empathy is also delivering a great service. Like we can't, deliver software that doesn't serve our customer success people. And frankly, we shouldn't take on customers that are abusive. So to me, it's, it's almost like you earn courage. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but having been through a lot in my career, having seen a lot of people come and go from Limey, you know, over, over the last 12 or 13 years, I've learned a lot. And the one thing that sticks with me is the word courage is, do we really have the courage to stand 100% for what we believe in? Or are we gonna kind of compromise here and there? Every time you compromise, it costs you something. And, and I'm a pragmatist, I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm a economics major. I know that you have to have shareholder returns and you have to have specific metrics you hit to keep the funding in the company and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I also wanna be a company that has the courage to live by its convictions. Mm. And that's so important, listeners, to, to really let sink in because that courage comes um, from within and it comes from the passion that you can have. And if you really think about it, you're asking companies to change everything. You're, you're asking them to not just do some employee engagement initiative that will see a little bump in the numbers and then come back down. We're asking them to change the way that they view their employees. We're asking them to change the work environment. And overall, we're asking them to be just as passionate about the workplace um, and the people that are working for them. That's a, yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, Josh, it's, it's not as hard as you might think. In fact, 
when I was talking about the C-suite earlier, what I was thinking is they get the emotional value of this. Sometimes you have to tell them the story though. And one, one example I'd love to give is, let's think about a big national coffee chain, like one that has baristas and amazing service, right? So think about the engagement that you get in, your, in the one that's right by your house in the neighborhood where they put the smiley faces on the cups and they remember your order and your name. The merchandising is perfect. They never run out of the kind bars that I like. <laughs> they always have the, you know, the, the water lined up perfectly, right? That's, that's a store-owned version of that coffee shop. And then every now and then on a business trip, you go to the airport version of that coffee shop. And the airport version, it's merchandising isn't quite as tight. They don't smile when they give you the order. They never have the low sugar kind bars that I like. And frankly, it's just not that awesome. And the key difference to me is one that every CEO should understand, which is one of those is owned by the company itself and one is a franchise. And the company itself is checking every single box of care. They're training their employees well. They're caring for people. They always promote great managers, not just the person who can take that shift. They, they check all of the boxes of being a caring company. And that's why all the profits come from the store that's run by the company. So even though it seems like one of these big, impossible things to do, the proof is in the pudding. You can see the contrast of that just in that one exa example. Yeah, that, that is a perfect example that I think all of us have experienced in one way, shape, or form. And I just, I just think that's such a simple way to look at. Sometimes uh, we overcomplicate the employee engagement problem, but, but, but yeah, keeping it nice and simple. Henry, it's been a wonderful discussion with you. Is there one last piece of advice that you could leave with our listeners? One piece of wisdom. Well, first of all, I would say break down every silo you see and treat people like people. If you do that, humanity will prevail, business results will follow, and people won't quit nearly as much. <laughs> that, is, that is wonderful, and I think that is very apparent in the branding of Limeade. Everyone, if you want to go check it out, just go to limeade.com where you can learn a little bit more about the, the services that they offer. And Henry, how can we keep in touch with you? Best way is henry at limeade.com. Find me at LinkedIn. Um, love to hear from all of you listeners out there. Share your stories and we'd love to uh, share ours as well. Thank you very much, Josh. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alexander. It's been really fun. We've been here with Henry Albrecht, thank you so much for joining us on the show.